Sandra Cisneros. You remember she was a guest on this program before with those quite marvelous short stories of life in Chicago in the Mexican-American community here. And uh, a woman hollering creek. Was that a woman hollering creek? Yeah. Woman Holland Creek has some Chicago stories With, and House uh, on Mongo Street. Was, and House, House on Mongo Street, now made into a play by a Chicago yeah. theater group. But it's your writing. You just, you're what the guys in the old days would call a natural. <laughs> and these well, are the, this is your poetry. Now, since, uh, since the publication of the two collections of short stories, uh, you've lived elsewhere and your reputation as a writer, that is a writer of short stories, as well as a poet. Has yeah, spread. I was always writing poems and throwing the poems under the bed. You know, no one much pays attention to poetry, but thankfully, because the short stories have, have uh, garnered so much attention, uh, the book, this book of poetry has been reissued. We're going to do Sandra Cisneros. We're going to do... He lived now in San Antonio. That's right. I'll ask you why, what you find there. And ex- Chicago was... You came from your mother's seated here now. I know she's played a big role in your life. That's right. In that, in that search for that something outside the immediate house. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chicago's home. I come back here several times a year. It's my my six brothers, uh, my mother, my father live here, and uh, several uh, nieces and nephews. So I'm I'm always coming back in some way. That always figures in the poetry somewhere, as it did in the short stories. In fact, you use a grim fairy tale explaining a sister and six brothers. Yeah, well, you know, my name means swan keeper. Uh, what? Cisneros. What? Means Cisneros sw- means yeah, cisne- swan keeper? Cisneros, swan. Yeah. And Cisneros mean, means one who keeps swans, you know, just like anything with that suffix of E-R-O-S. Uh, means one who does that, like zapato, page, zapatero. Well, then, why not pick that up? Just And also the poetry. Well, first of all, this poem we just read, this very brief one, in three, we use old-fashioned phrase, we have three stanzas. You, uh, you just, you talk about curtains, a simple thing like curtains. You see, rich people don't need them. Uh, the curtains are well, there. Well, the reason why I, I wrote about that, I think, is because any time uh, twilight begins, my mother always shouts for us to close the curtains. She never wants people outside to see in. And I always wondered why, because we weren't running around naked or anything, but, you know, there was that thing about the, the neighborhood that I grew up in. As soon as it gets dark, you've got to close the curtains, whereas when you drive through uh, wealthier neighborhoods here in Chicago or in the suburbs, uh, people aren't uh, as... Uh, protective about their their sense of space they want everyone to look in to see what they own and that's i think where i get that point that's came from. Good. yeah <laughs> well so curtain you see a curtain is something that is lacy you know a curtain is something that's also respectability too yeah and, but then poor people tie theirs into fists and draw them tight as modest brides up to the neck i could see that woman just trying to fix the curtain you know. Yeah, well, I think it's from riding so many L trains through the neighborhoods of Chicago and taking note of these draperies that, or lack of, that were hanging in windows that I passed through in the back alleys. I think that's where that poem came from. So the six brothers, yeah. and they're working. They're working all here. here. All six brothers live here in town and, or in the outlying areas of Chicago. But yeah. you're the one, one girl. Yeah. You're the one who went to uh, beyond. Well, I'm the one that was always trying to uh, move on or. or travel or to live someplace else 
and uh, I've kind of been the black sheep of the family, and I'm the only daughter, so that's being very wicked when one considers the you know, traditional Mexican role of a daughter. So that's it, my wicked, wicked ways. That's right. And, of course, there is sort of a, a, a machismo air to Latino life. I mean, this is a stereotype of mine, but it's true to some extent. Yeah. It's true in most yeah. When you're, a, most, when you're uh, a, a, a son or a daughter, you don't leave the home until you marry. And I just broke all the taboos. I left before marrying. I, I left before the brothers did. I kind of vagabonded the globe. Uh, I've lived in other cities. And so I've done all the things I wasn't supposed to do. Well, I mean, and like, I wrote a book, and that's pretty wicked. It, pretty wicked stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you and Isabella Allende in, in Chile and I was right in these these women writing these books. Yeah, that's a real and audacious act out. to write a book. And so we use this going out. So as a preface, in Grimm's tale, you write Six Brothers, this poem from your recent yeah, collection. Yeah, I like fairy tales. They figure in my work a lot, you know, and this uh, poem, Six Brothers, talks about the six swans because it's about a sister who has six brothers and the brothers get changed into swans and the only way she can break the spell and bring them back into men is if she weaves six thistle shirts and uh, she keeps this vow of silence. And she finally uh, manages to weave all of the shirts except for the last one. And uh, her husband, who she marries, and he probably married her because she was so quiet and liked her that mm. way. One day they're going to burn her at the stake. And just about the point when she's done with the shirts, uh, they're, they're lighting the pyre. And she's not quite finished with that last shirt. And all the six brothers swoop down. The swan brothers swoop down from the sky into the shirts, except for the youngest. He puts on the shirt that lacks the last sleeve. So all the brothers turn back into men and can defend her. And she can defend herself and be saved from the fire. Except the youngest brother has a wing instead of an arm. He has one arm and one wing. That's right. Because that sleeve wasn't done. That's right. And so use this as the basis, because... It became your life, the six brothers and the sister. It was a favorite fairy tale of mine because, you know, I had the six brothers. I'd never seen a sister with six brothers in a story except in this fairy tale. And, and a sister who has wicked, wicked ways. Yes. That is trying to write <laughs> and, and a go sister off on her whose own. name means swan keeper. So I thought this, that there must be something to that fairy tale. And I wrote this poem, Six Brothers. That's beautiful. Also, the fact that the grim, it fits that grim fairy tale, your own feeling about your six brothers, yes. but also you're the one, it's the girl, the female. Yeah, so you're meant the to... The one who's the adventurous one. That's right, so anything that you do, you know, was going to be being wicked in some sense, you know, just, just by virtue of my gender. So there's a lot of uh, a breaking of taboos, and that's what this title's all about. My Wicked, Wicked Ways, yeah. yeah. In fact, there's one, there's just, uh, they, these poems in sections, uh, the Chicago, you know, yeah. Sangamon, and then there's uh, the, My Wicked, Wicked Ways, which probably is outside Chicago, too, uh -huh. and the European poems. Yeah. But even this poem, I'll do this, because there are also secrets, family secrets, that yeah. now and then come That's revealed. That's the thing uh, about being a writer. You can't tell a writer anything because they can't keep a secret. But I think that's also something about the Cisneros family. You know, you tell them something and they always exaggerate it a little bit. You know? Yeah. That's why I was made to be a writer. I'm very nosy and I can't keep a secret. <laughs> I'm going to read your father. This is my father. That's good. This is yeah. So uh, I was listening. As, as, as right here as we're talking, your mother, <laughs> Mrs. Cisneros. Is this, oh, she's this burning is holes in the back of me, I know. <laughs> my mother's but, over here. <laughs> but also to your own observations, 
course, uh, uh, the poet. Yeah, it's funny. How do we define bad? And I think that that's been uh, something I've been looking at in all my writing. How does one define bad? Who says who's bad? You know, and according to when this book first came out in 87 through Third Woman Press, you know, I think some men felt uh, a bit disappointed by the provocativeness of the title. They thought I was going to be bad like the... What bad? Like, you know, like the... Like Errol ba- Flynn bad. But bad know? is sometimes used in a good way. Yeah, You know, as you know, right. young black kids a lot say, oh, he's bad. That's right. That means great. Yeah. I wear a hat, you know, it, it's, and the hat is kind of crooked and rotten. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's been stamped on. It's a hat that's pushed around and about, so it's kind of on the side. So it looks kind of rebellious-like, you know. Yeah. So often, uh, well, African-American you know, people say, that's a bad hat. That's right. And I think these poems, that, you know, they're, they're from my 20s. I, I didn't know what I wanted to be, but I sure as hell knew I didn't want to be good. You know, so maybe what these poems are about are trying to find that place, you know, that I want it to be. Because the question always asked is, what led you? What was it that impelled you? You could have gone another... I mean, obviously, Sandra Cisneros couldn't constitutionally be this uh, sweet, gentle, silent, obedient wife of stereotype, you know. Yeah, that's right. Well, what is it that impelled you? Is there some... Were the influences in your life that impelled you to become, well, eventually the writer? You know, well, you know, I think that, you know, when you grow up in the kind of neighborhoods that I grew up in, like Humble Park, uh, there weren't a lot of very positive role models out there for what you wanted to be. You knew what you didn't want to be. You knew you didn't want to wind up like the girl across the street who was pregnant at 14, or you knew you didn't want to wind up like the wife of the man next door who locked his wife in before he went to work and she couldn't come out until he came home. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of frightening, you know, roadside models of what you didn't want to be. You didn't know what you wanted to be, but you know what you didn't want. Yeah. And if it wasn't on the menu, you know, you found out eventually you had to start inventing it, you know. But uh, I, I think that um, my person that gave me permission to be so bad was my mother. <laughs> mother what? She's a Ray's Heller. <laughs> That's what she is. <laughs> And I think, you know, the, the fact that I was allowed to be bad and not cook and, and read books instead, that was terribly bad compared to my, my girlfriends who were changing diapers and making meals and I was reading books. That was being bad. Yeah. There's one about your girlfriends. Before they ask you to preface, the prefatory poem, which is Peter was telling about you as a poet. Yeah. The one about the three of you. What is that? Uh, the very beginning. Somewhere there's a poem. Oh, Valerio, three. Because yeah. you book your girlfriends. Yeah. And this is a childhood memory, isn't it? Yes, it is. I, I wrote this when I was in school in Iowa. And I, I guess when I was at Iowa. Well, you I went wrote, to the Iowa workshop. I did. And, you know, I became a writer despite, not because of that program. But being there made me uh, become conscious of You mean of the my Iowa, you were not too wild about the No, climate. I don't like You mean the Iowa workshop was not? Not good for kind of, maybe it was good for some people. But one wasn't good for me. You know, I think going there uh, made me realize my class difference, you know, my, my uh, cultural difference very clearly. And so what I tried to do was to write something that would be the opposite of my classmates. And that's how I wrote this, because I knew that if I wrote about people who had funerals in their living room, that my classmates couldn't say, oh, you're wrong, because I was an expert on this kind of thing. You see, that's how I wrote this poem. Called Velorio, which means, of course, wake. Velorio. Oh, I had to picture then the three little girls. The memory of those three little 
girls. Yeah, those little girls come back and house on Mongo Street too, you know. And I just wanted to write about those things that to us was like a normal everyday occurrence, but was very bizarre and would be most bizarre in the Iowa Writers Workshop, which is why I wrote about it. Because it was there they were in the baby in the coffin. Yeah, you know, people that are so poor that they've got to have the little wake right there in the living room. the, The way. I think Gwendolyn Brooks might have played a role in your life. She Gwen- sure did. Yeah, she you did. You too. You know why? <laughs> but, but you know why I think Gwen, because this poem reminds me of one of her poems, We Cool. Yeah, you know, we, we Real Cool. We, we Real Cool. We, yeah. And it's similar. It's, it's about something terrible, death. Or off, mm. not terrible. Yeah, but the awful, kids Awful, A-W-E-F-U-L, awful. Yeah. And yet done in vernacular. Well, I wanted to mm. use a language that was the opposite of the the language I saw in the poetry of my instructors, my poetry yeah. teachers and my classmates. They were oh. using a very, uh, very academic language. So I thought, what's the opposite of an academic voice? Oh. Well, the voice of children. The voice of slang, the voice of yeah, the Chicago streets. Yeah, a lot of that here. And yeah. We're talking to Sandra Cisneros, who you can gather is an original. <laughs> She's out of Chicago originally, the Humboldt Park community, then yeah. traveled and now lives in San Antonio, primarily uh, a Latino city. I was about to say Hispanic. We're like 55%, yeah. so we're not the minority in San Antonio. But he Latino, and we, I avoid the word Hispanic because... Uh, Latino friends of mine says, let's cut that out. That's right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you too feel that. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. So Sandra Cisneros writes Gwendolyn Brooks. He's one of the most brilliant of today's young writers who work as sensitive, alert, nuanceful, and rich with music and picture. And in fact, uh, the, many of the critics, great many, speak of you as a new voice. A, because you have that combination of the language, the idiomatic language and the poetry that comes forth. Her previous books are the two very acclaimed uh, sh- collections of short pieces, short stories, A Woman Hollering Creek and The House on Mango Street. Yes. And they're, they're available, by the way. That's a small publishing house. Uh, the new one, My Wicked Wicked Way, is published by Turtle Bay, which is a subsidiary of, of Random House. And the other two are available in all the bookstores, too, Woman Hollering Creek. And they're small, which we, we know something happening they're, one, they're both vintage, are they? They're both vintage. Now, vintage, yes. yeah. Sandra Cisneros. These are her poems now, and you're you're established because of your short pieces, stories, and you're working. I take it on a novel. Yeah, I'm working on a new novel uh, called Caramelo. Uh, Caramelo. Caramelo, like caramel, but with oh, caramel. Huh? Caramelo. Uh-huh. That's what I'm working on right now. So. Three generation story, grandmother, a father, and a daughter. But you come, your your family is a. Wait, did we take a break? Do we take our break? We did. We just resumed. I forgot now. So we speak of your family. You are the writer. Yeah. And your mother played a role, I know, in the encouraging of this, of being outside the immediate precincts of the the kitchen. Took us all to the Chicago Public Library made sure we had our library card before we even knew how to read. So it was real important. And more important than that, too, was that my mother set the example. Unlike her neighbors, she read. and She still reads books. And uh, she, you know, she set an example. She didn't just say read books, but she read books. And we saw her reading, and we would stop and read also. One of these days, I'm going I'm to get your mother one of the books. I hope so. <laughs> but uh, the opening poem of uh, My Wicked, Wicked Ways is a preface. And you quote uh, Mary Cassatt, the painter, 
So I can live alone, and I love to work. You then you take off on that, and then the uh, the comedian, the film comedian, uh, the Mexican Floss, uh, what what does he say? He, he says, says, "Allí está el detalle." That's his like a trademark line, and it means more or less, "There's the rub." Ah, take it off. So why don't you? This is your introductory poem. Yes. Yeah. Now this one, this poem, that's almost a dedicatory one of a book you wrote while in Greece a year ago. I wrote ago. it this year. Yeah, hmm? I wrote it this, this summer, actually, Stats. I wrote it this year because I couldn't see that uh, these poems are from my 20s, and I wanted to make a commentary about them and about that period in my life. You know, it was kind of like having your old high school yearbook discovered and, yeah. and re- reissued. You want to make some commentary from the distance. But as you were doing that, too, remember the, there was a quote from Mary Cassatt, the painter. That's right. I really uh, love did living and working, and you're saying, don't give me that stuff. It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. At it that time, I did not like living alone, but I was trying to live like the models I'd seen in all of, you know, all the movies and books, mm-hmm. you know, artists living alone in those garret apartments, mm-hmm. painting or creating art, mm-hmm. but it was hell. Yeah. It was. And so there were self-doubts, too, of course. Sure, especially if you come from a family like mine that, you know, didn't understand what I was doing, living away from the family. But there again, there's that Grimm's fairy tale, the girl, I chucked the life my father plucked for me. Yeah. You just happened to find us there. And you leapt into the salamander fire. So there were risks, of course, the risks, beyond our father's rooster eye. I'd gone on a solo. And then, but throughout, you have this, as though you were looking in the yearbook, out of this comes the poet, though. That's Go right. Ahead. Somehow, out of all the mistakes you made, you know, you didn't know what you wanted to be, but you knew what you didn't want. You know, all the thunking your head against the walls, you figure it out after a decade. That's the preparatory. But also, you describe the first part of the uh, collection, uh, that one 1200 south, 1200 south, 1200 west. That's the community. That's Roosevelt Uh, Road. So this is Roosevelt Road. Over near Levitt. And Levitt. Yeah. That's where I grew up. It's one of the many neighborhoods I grew up in. This is something that people don't realize, that uh, there were families like mine that, you know, would uh, relocate every year because we were always shuttling back and forth between Chicago and Mexico City. Because it involved work, too, your father finding Well, my father suffered bouts of nostalgia, so we always had to go back to Mexico City, you know, and then we would come back. But I thought everybody did that, would get up and go to another country for the summer and then come back. (laughs) You know, it's so funny because... Oh, God, she's got her name, the writer and a storyteller, Appalachian, and and Andrina Belcher, Appalachian family from, from uh, Kentucky. Oh, we go back, even for a weekend. They drive for 24 <laughs> hours, the whole thing, to go just to spend the weekend, just to be back and back at that family porch with the grandmother and the others there. Yeah, that's how we were. You know, seven kids, two yeah. adults and cars driving for a week from Chicago to Mexico yeah. City. To do that, year. just to yeah. spend just a little time there. That's right. But also, you pick up a paper, you read, oh, here's something happened in the Latino community, here's something happened in a black community, here's something happened in a poor white community, you know, things happening where the curtains are made into fists. <laughs> you know, the, so South Sangamon. Just yeah. that it happened. You read it. Yeah, oh, yeah, this happened yesterday. You see, and but you do it and you this, celebrate it. 
Yeah. You in a, in Again, a I was trying to write from some place that uh, you know no one else could write from. I was looking for that place of departure, which I think all writers have to find within themselves. And these were kind of memories of neighborhoods I knew. South Sangamon. I see her as you, your friend, the other, or the poet's friend, or the observer's friend. And that guy, she was <laughs> married to him when she wasn't married to him. A couple of kids. He's a He's a kind of a brute, stupid. <laughs> they want to get rid of him, and he's he's gone away. Yeah, and she's puffing a cigarette, I'm just and, to and all of a sudden here I comes see. the rock. Yeah. See, now the cover of that is see. So I thought immediately of your friend, the painter uh, Terry Ibanez, who lives in uh, San Antonio, San Antonio yeah. and this painting on the cover, and it's a posada, like it's it's in a way she could be that girl in the poem. <laughs> yeah, she's lying true. there, to, oh, she's playing an accordion, has a mask on. It's a surreal thing. Yeah, it's you a know, great painting by Terry Banyas. You know, she's a uh, up and coming Chicana artist. My, I'm really happy that we were able to collaborate and do something together. And she did the the new hard cover uh, version of Wicked Ways. Yeah. So you feel at home in San Antonio? Oh, I love San yeah. Antonio. I just love it. It just uh, town that I finally found some place where I felt I fit in with the two languages I grew up with or public languages you know where there's much more in Spanish than simply you know something on a menu it's all pervasive the language is alive and it's there and it's mixing with the English and it's creating this third language so it's very uh, important for me as a writer to live in somewhere near the border I can't live in Mexico because I need the English. I inherited that English, and that's my legacy, too. And I can't live up farther north because I don't hear the Spanish enough in, in public. I hear it in private, but I don't hear it all around me. And I need to be able to walk down the street like I do in San Antonio and see the Spanish leap out from billboards or the mix of the two leap out to spark me, you know, to spark my writing. We talked to Sandra Cisneros. And this is a new book of poetry, My Wicked, Wicked Ways, and uh, Turtle Bay Books, a subsidiary of Random House, the publishers, and her two previous books are available now, Vintage, Woman Hollering Creek, and other stories, and they're uh, old-fashioned word, they're peachy, peachy, <laughs> and House on Mango Street also. The first part dealt with Chicago, and the second, wandering about, I mean, there's one that's very moving. It's about a family has a secret, Often there's some child of the family who's a little different. Yeah, that's Arturo, uh, Arturo Burro. Burro. Yeah, I was trying to work on, uh, again, I was trying to explore children's voices. This one like, goes like this. Yeah, this is through the eyes of kids. This is the mind of kids. That thing you read in Spanish in the beginning there, that's a little children's Rhyme I was taking, you know, how children can make your name rhyme with something horrible. <laughs> but this <laughs> That's what is I'm that doing. Arturo Burro, because to say someone is burro in Spanish means to say that they're a dunce. They're not yeah. very smart. Burro. Yeah. I know this is someone who may be a family child who may be Kept slow. away, locked up. Yeah, because tucked away, locked. Mean, and yeah. through the eyes of the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then picking it up, but the, the cruelty of children. Not, but it goes. I told Susan Reina. Oh yeah, yeah. it's a fun. You know, people always think that kids are so wonderful and sweet, but they're also very mean. Yeah. And so I wanted to be able to write a poem that was like that, because you know, there's lots of people in my in my memory uh, like Susan Reina or children that that uh, are like this persona. This is called I Told Susan Reina. Because the kid sees. 
Susan, who has a, a fit, an epileptic. <laughs> That's actually my something. mom's story. My yeah. mom used to tell me stories about someone in her class who, who would get ill, and then they would get the whole day off, so everyone else would be yeah. jealous. Yeah. <laughs> and but I decided to, to use that oh, story. So you, you really put it in the minds of the kids, and there's the old man, the father, <laughs> there are the brothers. And it's just yeah. So this is the early part of the, your poetry. Yeah. And... There's similar also about Joe, the strange one in the family, Mama's boy. Yeah. 16, yeah. it's very moving. And there's the pharmacist, there's an accident. And that's <laughs> kind of, everything becomes grist for your mill. Well, you know, this Traficante is a real drugstore. I don't know if it's still there. It's over there on Taylor Street, I mm-hmm. think, in Oakley. I think that's the street it's on. But it's funny because another Chicago writer, Ana Castillo, says she remembers she grew up in the same neighborhood over there in Taylor, and she has a Traficante poem too. Um, so she wrote one for the same drugstore. So I'm gonna have to look. For By the that way, one. you won an uh, didn't you win an award recently? You won several. But what's the one recently? Well, I don't remember which one I won yeah. recently. Yeah, I keep yeah, winning. I'm them. trying to recall. I don't know which one, but. Um, here's the poem. Yeah, you want me to read? Traficante. Traficante, and it's right there on Taylor Street. Somebody, maybe somebody can tell me if it's if it's still there. <laughs> you know, that could be the that could be the corner druggist anywhere in the world, <laughs> especially of a working class community. Yeah. So bang, you know, that <laughs> smack. Right. That's where the encyclopedia became great medicine, <laughs> <Yes>. therapeutic. <laughs> Very yeah. funny, but then. Then we read something else. Something happens. We know changing communities and the intermixture of cultures and Appalachian people. There's one called In a Redneck Bar Down the Streets. Yeah, I like that poem. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> okay, it's you do it. Very briefly. It's a true story, actually. So it's the poet, uh, the, 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 the lyricism. At the same time, it's the street, the idiom. Yeah, I tried to use uh, the, the language that was truest to the one you would use if you were buying coffee and donuts, the one you would use with the waitress in all my poems. And your book is divided in other parts. Then there's the traveling, and then you hit, then you hit Europe for a while. Yeah. Different countries yeah. Yeah. and different adventures and different people you met. Yeah. And so we come to... A, you know, in, it was in Greece that you wrote that, point, that preface about becoming... The poem, but then there's also. Uh, I'm thinking about. Well, you name some you want to read. The, uh, the poet reflects in her solitary fate. It's a variation on the earlier one. Yes. About uh, answering Mary Casada says it's great. I yes. look forward to it. Right. That's a very an early one. But then the next one concerns your father. This yeah. is, or a father. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Now here we come back again. Variations on the theme. Earlier we had this guy, uh, this handsome guy, looks like Errol Flynn. <laughs> it was a macho sort of guy, you know, half between Errol Flynn and Anthony Quinn, I'd say. <laughs> Combination. Well, that's pretty good, yeah. I'd say. This is a, called History or, or His Story. Now this is the fate. You see here again. It's in you. It's bad blood. <laughs> hey, well, here's the one. Can you imagine this thing, in a family where, or in a culture where machismo is presumed to be, the the flavor. You know. Well, I'd say hey, machismo the, is global stats. It's, it's, well, it's global. Well, of course, it's global. <laughs> of course, it's global. But the point is, in a world of machismo, the girl goes off. Yeah. And the guys remain. That's right. And she's the adventurous one. That's right. 
And so this is what it's about. Yeah. But also, therefore, it's got to be blamed on someone. Those so other women in that, that family. Blame it on that crooked star and blame it on the bad blood, yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a, a, a musical, no connection yet, there's a, a Paint Your Wagon. Uh-huh. And I'll follow that something star. Yeah. And I'll follow. And so instead of the guy doing it, this baritone voice singing, yeah. it's a soprano and it's in yeah. singing. It, well, I see. tried to take. I always try to take things that are trans, literal translations in the Spanish. The idea of a crooked star really comes from a, a crooked route, which mm-hmm. is what you would say in Spanish. And I, that's the nice thing about having the two languages. You have twice as many words to pick from. You can sometimes take a literal translation and, and say something in a way that's never been said in English before. Sandra Cisneros' uh, book of poetry called My Wicked, Wicked Ways. As you can see, it's good for reading out loud, too. It's kind of good because it, it, be it has that quality, an oral uh, yeah. easiness about it. And uh, Turtle Bay, Turtle Bay, isn't it? Turtle Bay that's are right. the publishers. Yeah, they're a imprint House. from Random House. And the other two books of yours, the uh, Short pieces of the short stories, The House on Mango Street and Woman Hollering Creek and other stories are available now vintage. I know that now being in San Antonio and writing, uh, the novel and more poetry too, I assume, Next yeah, I'm always writing poems on the sneakity sneak, you know, I can't stop. <laughs> Next Even when I'm agenda. supposed to be writing a novel, I'm writing poems. So, oh, have you found on that subject, we know that in the past 20 years or so there's been a more of a recognition of the Latin American writers and novelists, something called magic realism, you know, yeah. as uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, case in point, but throughout mm-hmm. many. Mm-hmm. Well, and so have you been touched by them in a way? You know, this is something that I, I think scholars are becoming aware of, that uh, the Latin American writers that live in the United States, of course, are influenced by many, many influences, including the the Latino boom, you know, that from, um, from uh, Latin America. So, yes, we were influenced by the, those writers. I've been influenced, but I don't think what I do is called is magic realism. Maybe it's realism, realism, <laughs> urban <Yeah>. realism. <laughs> But sure, well, you know, my favorite writers are Rulfo and Manuel Puy, Borges, Marquez. And, and more recently, uh, I've discovered the women writers because those women weren't, weren't uh, being translated. They still aren't to the degree that they should be. Elena Garro, Elena Poniatowska, uh, all of the Latin American women writers that I'm slowly uh, unearthing because their books are not available in English. And so I have to travel to Latin America to find their books. More and more of that, the women writers. That's right. Latin, women writers. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so all these play roles start way back in the Humboldt right. Park and all, yeah. and uh, in your travels. So hit, hit some of the poetry, which you like. I like a whole bunch of them in the latter part of it. You choose some. Okay, all right. I'll read uh, some. Postcard of the Lace Man. Um, you know, one of the things that was a, a, such a, a novel experience for me as a woman traveling is that regardless what country I went to, it seemed like the borders didn't exist. If you were women, we had the uh, same problems. And I met this woman in Lona when I was traveling in Italy, and later on I went to uh, south of France and to... Barcelona, but I wasn't traveling like, you know, the American tourists on a bus. I was just with a backpack and some breadsticks in my pocket, and I'd get on a bus or a train, and the place looked good. I got off, and if it didn't, I got back on the train and would go off. And it was kind of hard because, you know, I was an only daughter, and I'd always been 
grown up in these tough Chicago neighborhoods, but with the six brothers. So this was an experience for me to travel alone. Coming from the city as a woman, you never go off on your own, and if you do, you do with a lot of trepidation. So I wrote this poem about experiencing something I'd never been able to experience in the United States, and this is called Letter to Lona from the South of France. That's what it's all about, really. Well, you know. That letter to Lona. You know, I, I, as I'm talking to Sandra Cisneros now, she's reading her poetry. Here's the hour. It's up to some extent. I think maybe let's slip in one last. I'd like that for uh, the last one. New Year's Eve, mm. page 99. Well, it's appropriate considering time of the year. But also New Year's Eve would fit. And we can end this with the song, Adalita, which is, I know, a familiar <laughs> song to you and your mother. Yeah. It's a song out of the... Uh, Mexican Many Revolution. Yeah. songs came out of the Revolution. Yeah. And this is by way of thanking Sandra Sneros as she reads the poem, New Year's Eve. And my, my Wicked, Wicked Ways is a collection of poetry that's available now. And uh, Turtle Bay books the publishers. And there are the books, Woman Hollering Creek and The House on Mango Street are also available, vintage. And thank you very much as you read this poem. Thank you. New Year's Eve. 